and welcome to the Lions Podcast. It is Matt Brown. It is Steven Anderson. We said we weren't going to stop in the offseason, and we are not going to stop in the offseason. We're not going to only talk golf either. We will briefly touch on the Valspar. It's a tournament that maybe, listen, if you're not a serious golf better, you might be skipping it anyway. So we'll just touch on that a little bit briefly. We'll talk some NBA futures as well. And of course, we're also going to talk the NFL draft. Free agency has happened in earnest. We know that there's been a major shakeup in the draft order. What do we think about that? How do the odds get affected? And of course, what bets do we think there are to be made out of that? But Stephen, I want to kick things off here with some news that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the betting market that we just just had come through as we were about to start recording this. So everybody was wondering what this contract offer was to Lamar Jackson that he turned down. And, you know, and like people apparently were searching and searching, been searching for this thing since basically September of last year. And then Lamar just casually out of nowhere about 30 minutes before we go to record this goes, oh yeah, I turned down three years, 133 million guaranteed. Um, I don't know if that's the biggest flex that he thinks that it is. I mean, <laughs> Steven, I think that's a pretty fair offer actually from the Ravens. I mean, look, they're giving him over a hundred million dollars guaranteed, but they're also not locking themselves into one of these extremely long-term deals like this Deshaun Watson deal where, you know, look, if things go south, it can tank your entire franchise forever. Like Lamar's going to make, would have, would have, I mean, he didn't accept the offer, would have made $133 million guaranteed to sign his name on the dotted line. Um, Maybe this also tells a little bit of a story as to why the market for him is very, I would say, lukewarm at best, if not cold, considering other teams could negotiate with him and offer him um, a contract right now because he got the non-exclusive tag. I think maybe this pulls the curtain back as to why Maybe this was so, you know, people were wondering, why aren't these teams making him offers? Well, he turned down three one thirty three. I mean, what's he what's he going for here? So that's that's about forty three million a year, right? And just for context, Daniel Jones signed for four years, hundred and sixty million. So if that maxes out, forty million per year, uh, but only ninety two million in total guarantees. So just for an apples to apples comparison here on the current quarterback market. So uh, it's clear that your opinion of this is going to depend on whether you're kind of a player friendly guy or a team friendly guy, right? The Ravens want to give less years and will go fully guaranteed kind of like the Kirk cousins deal when he first arrived in Minnesota. Uh, But it's, it's abundantly clear to me that this Browns trade for Deshaun Watson has completely screwed up the quarterback market for anybody else that wants a Absolutely. contract. And, because, and skewed these guys' mindsets, too, Like uh, as right. to what, like, I mean, that deal was a complete outlier. I mean, he was ready to sign with the Falcons. It was dumb. something it was way less than dumb. this. And then the Browns came in last minute and offered the deal as a Hail Mary, and, and that's why he accepted it. And, and like you said, I think this is – really shifted what these guys think that they're going to be able to do moving forward. But Steven, look, I'm always, I'm typically about 90% of the time team player in this type of stuff. But like you, you just can't guarantee six and seven years for 250 and 60. Cause like if one thing goes wrong, you have, you have tanked your franchise for half a decade. And, and so I get it. I mean, like three one thirty three seems pretty fair to me. Like you know, I mean, it seems pretty fair to me. That's a lot of money guaranteed for a three year contract. I also think the Ravens didn't buy them any points with either Lamar Jackson or anybody else in the locker room. Like in theory, putting the non exclusive tag on him to allow him to go shop is is a theory on, on the surface, but. Nobody in the history of this mechanism in the NFL has ever gone out and signed somebody on this tag and gave up two first round picks to do so. Like the the idea of that on its face is stupid. Nobody's doing that. Even for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, it's not worth in the salary cap era to give a monster contract and two first round picks. So the idea that the Ravens quote unquote gave him the opportunity to go get another deal is not real. And in reality, in my mind, what they did is they gave him the version of the franchise tag that now pays him less this year than what he would have with the exclusive tag. So now you're pissing the player off even more. He would have made 10 plus million dollars more on the tag this year. If you gave him the other tag, there's that. But I also think what the Ravens did in all of this is like, Hey, Lamar, we're going to let the market tell you what you're worth. 
because it's if not, you don't but think Matt, it's not it's not a normal market it's not like the if it was one first round pick i think that would be accurate but two first round picks it's not the same thing in my mind it's not well, a real market well i mean you know it depends on how you look at it right because like picks are only as good as how the guy ends up panning out. Like, you know what you have as a proven commodity in Lamar Jackson, right? So, I mean, like, yes, in theory, you look at the first round picks and stuff like that. And you say like, oh, first round picks. But I mean, again, we can go back draft after draft, after draft, after draft about, I mean, first round picks hit at about a 60% rate, right? I mean, like, right. and, and that's what we're kind of looking at. But with, teams with all treat this. them so, like gold. Teams do treat yes. them like gold. Yes, they do. They do. And, and so it's one of those things where it's like, look, you're you're if if you really and truly wanted to sign a franchise quarterback like giving up two first rounders is absolutely nothing for a guy like Lamar Jackson but the problem is is these contract demands it's a kind of it's a catch 22 right because we know now he wants more than he wants he wants longer than three years and more than 133 guaranteed so now he that he is he put that on Twitter right I mean it's like we know that for sure for the first time we actually have a dollar sign attached to you know what what Lamar Jackson has turned down. And secondly, it's kind of a catch 22, Stephen, because the thing is, is for Lamar Jackson to be as effective as Lamar Jackson is, you need him to be the dynamic playmaker runner. But that's also the same reason that all these teams are hesitant to sign him for the, to this long-term deal. Right? So it's like, you have to have him play that way in order to get maximum value out of the player. Because again, he's not your, he's not the greatest pocket passer in the world. He hasn't, he has gotten better in the in the pocket but certainly you're getting Lamar Jackson for the fact that he's going to give you 50 60 yards on the ground every game and at the same token that's the reason you're scared to sign him to a long-term deal because he has to play that yeah. way so it's, like it's, Ravens, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword but the Ravens have to know that that 133 million dollars is not going to get it done with Lamar Jackson right like it, that's that's silly to even think that that's an offer that might get accepted at this point, the market is telling you that Daniel Jones before guarantees is 40 million per year. So, and if you look at guarantees, it's about a hundred million guaranteed. Other quarterbacks have gotten more than that. So I don't know where this lands with Lamar Jackson. I I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play until he gets a new contract. I was gonna contract. say this could be one of those like hold in situations or whatever, you know? Yeah, I it guess. I mean, it's it's a tough spot because I don't. I honestly don't know how this plays out because it's clear nobody's going to sign him to an offer sheet. And the yeah. the the bit, excuse my language, but the bitch of it is now that he's on the franchise tag. After the deadline passes, you can't even trade him. I don't think. I don't even think. Well, the other thing too about all this is like he has to go. Like he has to go out and play well because that's the other part about this is like if he goes and half asses this, that's not going to get him the money that he wants in the in the, in the open market as it is anyway, right? And so it's kind of like. It's it's just a damned if you do, damned if you don't type deal because he can't be a bad player, bad teammate at this point because that will cost him. You know what I wonder? When the open market rolls around in a year, I so, wonder if this turns into like two years, ninety million guaranteed, or two years, right. hundred million guaranteed, and they just you know he gets a bunch of money, he still gets the chance to maximize his long term value because the contract will end sooner and the salary cap continues to go up and quarterbacks are getting a set percentage of that salary cap. I think that's the happy marriage here, but we just don't know what, how, how he's thinking about this. If he's ever going to come off that Deshaun Watson number or not, because he doesn't have an agent. Yeah. So let's circle this back around then to the betting aspect. The Ravens are 25 to one to win the Super Bowl. If we go to the mm -hmm. conference market, the Ravens are 14 to one to win the AFC. And then of course, if we just go to the division market, which by the way, they're all up at all the books at this point. So you can go and just bet these, these divisions. If you go to that division, they are plus 280 behind the Bengals at plus 125 Browns pretty close at plus 350 there in that division. I, I mean, Stephen, for me, it kind of makes the Ravens unbettable, right? Because yeah. they've made it very expensive to hold out. Like, you know, and it's they call it kind of a hold in these days because you know the guys are eventually going to come back because it's just too expensive to hold out. But like, he might try to make his point miss four games. You know, it's going to cost him, you know, it's going to cost him some cash. But like, you miss four games, you kind of make the point of like, hey, I'm pissed off, or whatever. And it's like, if he if he misses four games, like I can't imagine myself locking any sort of money into the Ravens right now, no matter what I thought about the rest of the roster, because the quarterback position is still the most important position in all of sports. And 
we don't really, really know how this is all going to play out. They've also done nothing around him on the offense to help him. Yeah. They still have one of the worst wide receiving cores. Yes, they have Mark Andrews, but still one of the worst wide receiving cores. They have no idea if Dobbins and Gus Edwards are going to be able to stay healthy. They've changed coordinators now that put in this unique running option offense with Lamar in there. Uh, this is a this is a cluster, man. This is a yeah. this is a complete stay away from betting perspective for me. If anything, I might be betting some outlier numbers here on them. You know, a lot of books when they you know later down in the off season, they might give you odds on the Ravens to finish third or fourth in the in the yep. division, and that's where I'd be looking at this point. I was going to say I certainly like the Browns better than the Ravens right now, so that would be you know if I had to bet that division, I still think Cincinnati's the class of the division, but I mean I think three fifty on the Browns might actually be a little bit of a a little bit of value. Now, we know the big news. We were waiting on this so that we could really kind of dig into the draft in earnest. And this is something that I'm glad that it went ahead and happened. It happened early. So, Stephen, we can start rattling off these pods with at least a little bit of certainty as to what's going on. And the Bears did move that number one draft pick. The Panthers yes, have moved up to take over that spot. And what we saw was a draft drastic shift in the odds. It was Bryce Young favored to go number one overall. This thing started running towards C.J. Stroud. There was a beat writer that came out pretty much right after this, right after this, and said, "Like it seems to me, if they're moving up like this, that is to get C.J. Stroud." And people just ran on that, not reading the rest of the tweet, which said, "Though I'm not 100 percent certain that they have decided on a on a quarterback yet." So he wasn't saying they were taking Stroud. He just said it seems like that to be the case. It's minus 260 currently. It had gotten all the way to minus 450, which was insane. Um, Anthony Richardson starts to plummet as well. He is now at DraftKings plus 275. He is the second shot to go number one overall. Bryce Young now at plus 320. And of course, Will Levis, the fourth of the four quarterbacks that will go in the first 10 of picks of the draft, is at 45 to one to go number one overall. So, Stephen, we've seen some correction now. Stroud back to minus 260, gotten, like I said, gotten nearly to four and a half dollars with all of that. The real mover, though, in this outside of Stroud, because, look, he was still plus 250-ish or something like that to go number one overall. It's Anthony Richardson that was, you could have gotten at 100 like a month and a half ago. Then it went to 60. Now it's down to plus 275 for Anthony Richardson to go number one overall. I don't buy the Anthony Richardson steam whatsoever. First of all, the initial genesis of this was documented by Brett Gibbons over at thelines.com. It was one CBS sports mock draft that came out before the combine even happened. And he was basically saying to his credit that Anthony Richardson was going to blow up the combine and move up boards. That's fine. He may get drafted earlier than he would have. To me, that doesn't mean he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Like I, I do not subscribe, and you and I may disagree on this. I'm not sure if you still hold the same opinion. I do not subscribe to the fact that Anthony Richardson is a good enough quarterback to be the number one pick in the draft. I also have concerns about his, his ceiling as a passer in the NFL. I understand how well he tested the combine, and he's a complete freak athlete. So if you want to make him Cam Newton or Justin Fields, that's fine, but Even Cam Newton blew away his passing numbers at Auburn when he was in college compared to what Anthony Richardson did at Florida. So combine the fact that the initial genesis of the steam on Richardson's odds was basically a one-off mock draft with no team sourcing whatsoever, and it came before the combine, to now, after the fact, we have multiple reports of C.J. Stroud. Initially, the reports were C.J. Stroud was the guy that the football people and new head coach Frank Reich liked at Carolina, but David Tepper, the owner liked Bryce young. And now we have a complete opposite report of that. Albert Breer hopping on the Dan Patrick show yesterday and saying that it's actually David Tepper who likes CJ Stroud and the football people like Bryce young, you know, who wasn't mentioned all that Anthony Richardson. So the steam was crazy, but I don't think it was actually based in anything actionable in my opinion. And this happens from time to time when it comes to the NFL draft betting cycle. Yeah, I think people are looking, at, and I don't think that that was necessarily the original steam in all of this. I think it was just that it became very, very clear that, you know, the, the thing is, is, you know, you know how this all works, and I, I've done this last three years. It's worked out great. It's not probably going to work out great for me so far this year is, 
is taking these kind of long shot quarterbacks. And then we all know that people fall in love with quarterbacks and then quarterbacks are the ones that end up, you know, rocket shipping up the board. I mean, the, we look no further than, you know, a guy that I considered to be, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow heading into that 2019 season was a, was a day two pick. Like he wasn't even close to being a, a first rounder, much less number one overall. Right. But you, you, you're, you play good. You're a quarterback. People fall in love with you. You rocket up the board. We've seen it a million times. Baker Mayfield was never supposed to go number one overall. He rocketed up the board. It's just what happens with these quarterbacks. And so, yeah. you know, it. I don't blame people for picking up 100 to one on Richardson or 60 to one on Richardson or even when it got to like 40, even picking up a 40 to one on Richardson. I, I don't now, either for the record. That's different than betting four to one now or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, 275 at DraftKings. Yeah. I mean, plus 275 Sheesh. at DraftKings if you look at it right now. Um, so listen, if you want to make a case for Anthony Richardson, again, like it's the, it's the safer swing for the fences approach, right? For this Panthers team, because what it, what it comes down to is, do you think that you can win immediately in a division that might be the worst division in the NFL next season? Right? I mean, we have the bucks that are going to be a complete dumpster fire. We don't even know what's going on down there. Now, Atlanta is spending some money, but they still are going to have to go with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, and we have no idea if he's any good or not. So we know, again, we just keep mentioning quarterback positions most important in the NFL. So now, if you think it's basically a heads-up between you and the Saints, then maybe it makes you lean a little bit more towards a Bryce Young, right, who you know is just kind of like polished step-in day one is is going to be a guy that can can produce. Or do you think this is a three-year project and you swing, take a swing on an Anthony Richardson, in which case the floor is bottom five quarterback in the NFL, but the ceiling could be like the most the, the most dynamic playmaker we've ever seen at the quarterback position, right? I mean, it's a 6'4", 244 guy that ran a 4-4-3, set the combine record for broad jump, set the combine record for vertical, and also threw the ball 60 miles an hour, right? So it's kind of one of those things where what is their philosophy in all of this? Like my opinion, I don't think the Panthers are that far off. I don't know what you think, but I mean, I don't think they're that far off specifically in this division that might be heads up between them and the saints. I lean more towards a young or a Stroud, but at the same time, I can at least understand if their thinking is they're probably two or three years away, then a Richardson pick might make sense because here's the thing. You either want him to hit the ceiling, which is like, you know, the most dynamic playmaker we've ever seen at the quarterback position, or you want him to be absolutely terrible because then you get another top pick and then you can just pick a quarterback and, and, and restart, right? Like you don't want to be in the middle. So it's kind of like, that's why I don't understand the Stroud pick as well, because that seems like a middling type thing for me. And, and again, that's just my opinion on all of it. Um, I, I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback, most polished, ready from day one. I think Anthony Richardson obviously has the most upside in all of this. And I think CJ Stroud's just kind of in the middle. I don't know if there is a ceiling with him. So the way I try to approach NFL draft betting is listening and trying to act quickly when an insider who has been right a lot in the past comes out with some nuggets here and there, right? Like that, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. And I try not to chase steam that isn't backed in sourcing or team information. Um, I haven't really heard anybody link Anthony Richardson to the Carolina Panthers. And if he winds up going there, then I'm going to lose my number one pick bets. That's, that's the stand yeah. I'm taking at this point. Um, the, the price has dropped so too low for me to to figure that out. The only thing we've seen linking Richardson to the Panthers is just speculation saying like that would be the home run pick, right? But there hasn't been yeah. actual reporting linking interest from the team to Richardson. The latest information we have is is from this Albert Breer interview on the DP show talking about a little bit of division in, in the building between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. So I think it's going to be one of those two. To me, it was clear post-combine from all of the sourcing and interviews that it was a pretty solid consensus that A, Bryce Young is tiny. He's only 5'10". Mm. And B, C.J. Stroud is clearly the best passer of this draft, the best polished passer. And the only question about him coming through into the draft season was his inability or um, not wanting to run in college, which... When he needed to against Georgia, he showed he could do. So 
I don't know who wants who at this point with the Panthers because now we have two conflicting stories of legitimate insiders saying Tepper, one saying Tepper wants Young and one saying Tepper wants Stroud. So I don't know who wants who in Carolina, but it seems clear to me that it's probably going to be Young or Stroud. I'm sitting on a, a plus 350 ticket on Stroud. The prices have moved so much that I may just throw a hedge on there to get my money back if it winds up being young and still get a pretty That's, solid profit if it's Stroud. Listen, listen, the draft, because because here's the thing, guys. The draft is about making money. The draft is not about being right or right. you or, or, or what throw your you Throw your personal think, opinion or, of the player completely out the window. Doesn't matter, right? And like this, we people get too, people clutch at pearls too much on this. And like, whatever. like listen, here's the thing. Like you just mentioned, if you're holding a four to one, three and a half to one, whatever it might be, on Stroud, you probably should take a little piece of Young at plus at this point now up to over three dollars. Like you probably should take a little piece of Young, yeah. and then at that point, no matter what happens at one, you're going to come out ahead, right? And like right. this is one of those things where some people just go like, "No, but I think Stroud's the best player," or whatever. It's like it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter. What you, it doesn't matter what one team thinks, and that's the team that's going to be picking first. It may matter what, what one think. man thinks, Matt. It, yeah. like we've seen this in the past, where an entire building of front office executives <laughs> and scouts are telling you one guy, but the owner's like, "I'm the boss. I want that guy," and they take that yeah. guy. It could literally just be who David Tepper wants, and it might it yeah. might wind up being that. So that that's how. So, how ridiculous this could come down to. Absolutely. We're just trying to make, like I said, we're just trying to make money on, on the draft. Like, and again, this is the, if this is your first year betting the draft, or if you've never really taken it seriously until this year, that is the number one thing. That's the number one piece of advice I give to everyone. Listen, I've had a massive amount of success betting the draft the last few years. Now that is not to say that it's going to carry over to this year, but the number one piece of advice people ask, well, what is it? What's the secret? It's, it's about making money and putting your opinion aside because your opinion doesn't mean Jack. Like your opinion means absolutely nothing. So what, how good you think someone is in all, it does not matter in the least bit. And so just, just try to read the tea leaves as best as humanly possible. Put yourselves in advantageous situations as much as humanly possible. Like we just mentioned, if you're holding a four to one, a three and a half to one on Stroud, Bryce Young has drifted so much at this point, you can make it to where you make some money on that number one pick. You know, unless again, unless they throw us a massive curveball and Will Levis goes one overall or something like that. And if that's the case, then hey, guess what? Well, I make money because I have a, a, a so do I from two months ago. I have one from the summer, but like, I mean, you know, we all lose money, whatever. So we kind of go in, in that direction. But what this does do, it did clear up some stuff, though, Stephen, for us. Right. And like, that's where we can start to look at this and and try to get ahead of things, because we know Carolina's taking a quarterback at one. Houston is taking a quarterback at two. Indy is definitely going to take a quarterback. Now, is that going to be at four? Or are they going to try to get to three with Arizona so that they don't get leaped and, and their guy gets sniped from them? Because at the end of the day, we know it's not out of the realm of possibility for Seattle to take a quarterback. That deal people talking about with Geno Smith, it's, it's, it's a glorified one-year deal. They can get out of the thing after one year, and it's not going to cost them a bunch of money. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for them to take a quarterback. They're sitting at five. Now, the Raiders with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a different story. They were definitely in the mix to take a quarterback. But sitting at seven, again, still not out of the realm of possibility for them to go there if somebody happens to drop to them at seven. Is Atlanta set on Desmond Ritter? Does Atlanta even think any of the quarterbacks will be left at eight? So there's a lot that can play out here, of course. You know, as we get a little bit further down, Tennessee at 11, we know they're moving on from Ryan Tannehill. You go a little bit further down from there as well. What is Green Bay going to do at 15? It looks like Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to leave out of town. They're already, they already used up Jordan Love's rookie contract. Do they try to do something crazy? It's not out of the realm of possibility for Detroit if something fell all the way to 18 since they have two first-round picks. They have the luxury of maybe looking and trying to get Jared Goff's successor there in Detroit. So there's a lot of things that could happen if these quarterbacks do start to drop with all of that, but it, it, at least we do have a little bit of clarity now, Steven, and we can kind of start to put together some of these pieces as to how this draft might fall. But I think the biggest domino yet to yet to go is what Arizona is going to do with that three pick. For sure. I, I agree with you there. And it sets up to me what is an interesting prop over at DK on who will be drafted first, Anthony Richardson minus 250 or Will Levis plus 200. Because mm -hmm. I think if if Richardson doesn't go number one overall, which is my current opinion, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see the Texans taking a swing on him. I think it's probably going to be Stroud and, and Young, one, two, whatever order you want. And then I, I, you tell me if you disagree. I don't see the Colts taking Anthony Richardson. I, I see, I, I reserve the right to change my opinion based on yeah. insider sourcing, obviously. But you know, Anthony Richardson is a project. It's going to take him time to develop as a passer. And the Colts, although they had a terrible season last year, have some weapons, have a pretty darn good defense, and have a division that doesn't have a world beater in it. So I feel like Will Levis is the one that's at least going to give you the higher floor to begin with. And we know that he's built like a tank and can throw the ball a million miles down the field. And we know that this prop would have had completely different odds a month ago before the Anthony Richards, Anthony Richardson steam that I feel was misplaced. So to me, in a head to head prop here to get plus 200 on Will Levis seems like pretty good value. Yeah, it's it really this is why this is, you know, it'll make for a much more interesting situation if Arizona doesn't move off that three pick before draft day and we're literally sitting there on pins and needles to see what happens. It would make the, it would clear things up a ton if they did move that pick and then we would really be able to to go in and and see kind of how we think that the dominoes are going to fall, but it's it is one of those deals though, Stephen, where I look at this and I just don't know like does Shane Steichen think that you know he can yeah. that he can mold Anthony Richardson, right? A, because it's one bigger of those deals Jalen where, Hurts or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like, does he think that he can make Anthony Richardson, you know, a, a better version of, of Jalen Hurts, right? I mean, like, is that could that possibly be in his mind? I mean, listen, it's when we look at this, like from an offensive coordinator standpoint, I mean, in theory, you know, on paper, they hired Jim Bob Cooter, but really he's a he's a pass game quarterback coach he's with an offensive coordinator title right so it's kind of like you have Steichen who's worked with a guy in that mold you have Jim Bob Cooter who's known for for improving quarterbacks and making quarterback play um, much better so I don't know man I think it would be tough on them to pass at him at four but you know I guess we'll kind of see how it all plays out the the interesting thing will be if the Texans go weird and the Texans do take Richardson at two and the and the Cardinals are still sitting with that three pick they are going to get a monster, like yeah. because whether it's whether it's Stroud or or uh, Bryce Young it's still available at three, one of those teams is moving up to get those guys. Like 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 somebody is moving up to get that guy, like for sure, a hundred percent. And it might be a team come out of left field. It might be a team, you know, that just kind of mortgages their future to get the next quarterback. It, it you know. Could the Vikings move up from 24 with some kind of crazy package or whatever, right? Like, does all Tampa these Bay... teams in the top 10, man? And you're talking later teams, but all these teams in the top 10, the Colts, the Seahawks, the yeah. Lions could move off golf in a year or two. The Raiders, yeah. the Falcons, they all could use a bona fide quarterback of the future. Yeah, so it it could get wild for sure. But from a betting standpoint, again, like I said, just try to be sure and make sure that you're locking up some of the money out there. I mean, if you haven't guys looked around in the, you know, at the markets that are kind of going on out there right now, you can get number one pick. You can do the first quarterback selected. You can do the first wide receiver selected on the defensive side of the ball. The first defensive guy, as you just mentioned, they have the head to heads that are starting to populate as well. Right now you can go in and look at one, two, three, four, five, six different head-to-head -head markets over at DraftKings. There might be some available. That's just the book that I have pulled up right now. Of course, Matt, can I hit on one more of these One more of these before we move on? Because I, I think yeah. this is a slam dunk, and it's kind of like your, your alley here, your lane. I've seen you bet these before in the past. It's a big favorite. It's not for everybody. But if I was to tell you that you know, I feel pretty strongly about making 25% on my money in a month's time, I'd feel pretty good about this. Jackson Smith and Jigba minus 400 to be drafted ahead of Jordan Addison, who is small yep. and ran very slow at the combine. That feels like minus 400 is a lot of juice, granted. But from what we know about these two players, I, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and, and Jigba could be a top 10 pick. And I'm not sure with the way Addison tested, he's going to be a top 10 pick at this point. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I think in Jigba actually... 
at the end of the day might end up being the first wide receiver off the board. Yeah. Um, and, and with that, I mean, that only carries a minus 150 price tag if you look. Because, again, we start to, like, go down the board and, like, we know Carolina quarterback, Houston quarterback, Arizona, there's no chance with the way that that team is formulated they're going to take a wide receiver. Like, it's just, like, they need way too much. But um, if he's not the first, quarterback, if he's not the first wide receiver taken, Jordan Addison is not going to be the first wide receiver taken in this draft, in my mind. Right. And and so you go down and you're like, look, okay, five, Seattle, no way. They've got two wide receivers. Detroit is set on offense. They don't need a wide receiver. The, uh, Vegas with Devontae Adams who just signed Jacoby Myers today. They don't, they're not going to go wide receiver. Atlanta, too many needs and things like that to try and go wide receiver at eight. And of course, they took one in the first round last year. Now you go to Chicago at nine, and now things start to get at least a little bit interesting, right? Like Chicago. They started to do the spending spree right now on the defensive side of the ball. They've committed to they've committed to the offensive side and how they're going to go with um with you know the the game plan and how they're going to do that. But the problem is is they don't have a number two now to DJ Moore because I mean I don't know what you think of Chase Claypool. I've never been a Chase Claypool guy or whatever. So like, like Mooney's more likely to be the number two, right? And so it's like so now at nine. You have a Chicago team that could be certainly super interesting. Then you go like you start to look at some of these when we get into 11 and 12, 13, 40, like New England is taking a wide receiver at 14 for sure. They don't have anyone. They literally don't have a wide receiver. I mean, like if like that is not happening, you know, like they don't have anybody in Jigba would be a perfect fit for New England right there at 14. And so um, it's a matter of fact, they actually have these like what team will draft player or whatever and all the stuff mm-hmm. and things like that. And one of them is which team will draft in Jigba. And the Patriots are six to one right now to draft him. And I think that's at least fairly interesting with them sitting at that 14. And now with Jacoby Myers moving on, the cupboard is bare. Like they have no one to catch passes. So that's at least uh, another angle. I think Bears and Patriots and get a pretty decent net net money there. Right. Yep, exactly. And so that's what, like, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's all we're trying to do is put ourselves in position to make money, right? Like, so if you take both of those teams and they're picking like right there next to each other, likely you are going to win that bet because both of those teams are going to need to upgrade badly um, at, at that position. So it is, it's certainly super, super, super interesting. Um, I guess what we, what we're really waiting on here, Stephen, we typically see this about the third week of March. So I think we got another about 10 days or something like that before we get it is, when we start seeing these over-unders hit, right? And that's where we really need to be prepared because these things move rapidly and you need to be able to, when they hit, you have an idea of kind of where you think a guy is going to go. And if a bad number gets posted, you need to be able to jump on it immediately. Like you and I think in Jigba doesn't get, there's no way he gets below 14 with the Patriots, right? If they hang 16 and a half, you better take the under rapidly because it's going to get hit a ton. And then it's going, and then at that point, the number is going to get out of hand and there's nothing you can do about it. So you, you really do need to be looking at those when those hit and you kind of need an idea of where you think the range for a guy to go. So you can see if it's a plus EV bet, whenever those over unders hit. Yeah, it's, it's great advice. These numbers move so quickly. And if you're betting, you know, an hour before draft night, all of the value has been sucked out of it. And mm-hmm. then that, then you're leaving yourself with, you know, trying to thread the needle there to get everything right at the worst prices. It's, you know, you got to be on these right away. So real quickly, we'll do the Valspar. Look, it's the, the field gets thin quick. It is <laughs> Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sam Burns, Justin Rose at, to- at the top. And then we start getting pretty thin after that. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood's a good player. He has never won in the States. Uh, Keegan Bradley is always going to Keegan every now and then. Uh, Adam Hadwin. Then we get to like Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon's 30 to 1. Like Brian Harmon is 30 to 1 in this field. Like you're getting triple digits on Brian Harmon in a a lot of other tournaments. Brian Harmon's 30 to 1. So it gets thin quickly. I'm going to have a pretty small card this week, Stephen. I mean, listen, I put so much time and effort into the last month and a half of the golf season where – it's almost like a welcome break for me here to not like, you know, just be, be really grinding this type of tournament. Of course, Sam Burns has won this thing back to back. He's not in the greatest form, however. So I think at 18 to one, certainly not getting into any of my money uh, with the way that his approach game is right now. He's lost in six of his last eight tournaments, which usually is his bread and butter. And so something ain't right with, with old Sammy right now, Justin yeah. Thomas, I don't know what you think is when equity is, but at 12 to one, 
no chance I'm betting Justin Thomas at 12 to one. I do think Spieth is probably the class of this field. Um, I never really bet the short shot in any golf tournament ever, but if I ever were to, uh, Spieth's game, his consistency of late, uh, you know, might lead me to something like that. I don't know how you've kind of handicapped this tournament so far. I think first bet for me is probably going to be uh, Ben Griffin at 50 to one. He was pretty yeah. high in the model for me. Um, same for John Hasselbauer as well. John didn't pull the trigger on him on an outright, but I suspect he's going to do what he's done the past couple of weeks and have some type of placement bet on Ben Griffin as well. Uh, John's already got his Valspar card out on the discord. So go to the lines.com type right top right hand corner, click the discord button. You can check it out in the golf staff bets channel. Um, a couple other guys that I, I need to make a decision if I'm going to have some of these guys that are shorter than 30 to one this week. If I do, it'll be one of Justin Rose or Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, like you said, Fleetwood hasn't won stateside and Rose just won at Pebble beach and had a pretty solid finish at the players last week. So might be a little Justin Rose renaissance here in a, in a Ryder Cup year with some of these uh, other European guys yeah. no longer in the mix for the, the PGA Tour run Ryder Cup. So other than that, some some other guys that kind of pop for me, um, Justin Sue, who's been going pretty solid yeah. here. Wyndham so he's Clark. the first one that made my card, actually. Yeah, Did he? okay. he's the he's the first one that made my card. Um, basically, like you said, it's, it's more for just the fact that it's a weak field. Like another guy that we typically get at like 75, 80, 90 yeah. to one, not and, like, fun he's to all the way down. 37, but here we, yeah, are. it's like, it's, he's all the way down there and it feels gross to have to do it. But again, it's a thin field. And so you just kind of gotta, you gotta, you gotta take your medicine. I think with this one, just a little bit, but yes, he's the first one that did make my card. And, and Steven really what it came down to for me is there's not a lot of guys that are coming into this thing in the greatest of form. And when we thought Keegan was like rocking and rolling, then Keegan goes out and shoots 78 and his round two gets cut in the players this past week. And so for me, I'm sitting here kind of going, all right, look, I don't love any of these. I don't love these guys. I don't love it. Or can I take the guy that just kind of playing the best right now, you know? And if I'm, if I'm doing that, like taking the guy that's kind of playing the best right now, I'm getting some, I'm getting some pretty good stuff on, on Justin. So, so I'm, I'm, I don't mind it. I don't love it, but you know, I'm going to make a few bets this week. I'll just yeah, put it that way. He, he's, he's kind of like uh, the poor man's Victor Hovland in this field. He's, he looks yeah. outstanding tee to green can't chip worth a lick. So we're just yeah. hoping that he hits some greens this week. And if he does, he's uh he's a top 15 putter in this field over his past 36 rounds as well. So, hit those greens and we might have a guy in contention here. Uh, I'll just throw out a couple long shots here. Uh, Robbie Shelton, Joseph Bramlett, Mark Hubbard were guys in the mix for me in terms Mm -hmm. of guys that are 90 to one or longer. And I'm curious if your boy from the Honda classic, Eric Cole got any consideration from you this week. No, the numbers fell a little bit too far for me. I I, just full transparency and it might end up being a little bit more, um, but I only have three guys in the account right now. Like I mentioned, Justin says one, I went with Victor Perez is another. And here's the thing is oh, if yeah, you're using Euro some guys. of the models that are out there, Victor Perez hasn't played in the States yet in uh, like this year. And so he's not going to come up in any of your models. So if you don't have anything that's pulling from rest of world statistics, then he's not going to be anywhere near, you know, where, where you know, he's not going to even show up basically on any of your models. But in, He's actually been playing well, rest of country, and now he's going to come over here and look. His odds are just too long for me. I'm not saying he's actually going to win the tournament, but it's like as good as he's been playing and the fact that, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be betting in this week because of the fact that they don't know really anything about him because he hadn't played a lot. Um, that's kind of where I got with that. I mean, again, not a not, not, nothing that I'm like jumping up and down, you know, like nothing, I'm like, like super happy about any of this, but it's just kind of like, hey, that's another guy that has uh, – this made the card for me. It's a great call by you because we've had success in situations like this in, in the last couple of years where you have a weaker field and a guy comes over from the DP World Tour and, and wins an event. And uh, Victor Perez is now going to make my card now that you mentioned it because I honestly hadn't dug deep enough to see which guys are coming over from across the pond here. But, I mean, this this is a guy who who performs consistently on the DP World Tour, including yeah. winning um, in – January on the DP World Tour yeah. over Minwoo Lee, who we just saw contend at the players last week. So uh that's that's definitely a guy I gotta circle now. Yeah, so it's it's again thin card for me this week, but you know, I, I will have a few plays in there. So if you guys want to to tail. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. We're coming up on the end of the NBA season, the tail end of the NBA season here, Stephen, of course. Guys, if you want all our March Madness stuff, me and Stephen aren't your guys for that. Head on over. We have a full team of guys that are way, way, way deeper into the woods when it comes to college basketball than us. Just go over to thelines.com, look on the YouTube channel, listen to the podcast, all the stuff like that. Like, they know this stuff way way better than we do. So we're not going to sit here. We're not going to pretend, Stephen. Like, we're not going to play pretend. Yeah, everybody's a genius uh, right up until 12 noon Eastern time on Thursday, right? Everybody's got the exact bracket. Look, I've got, I have, I took Virginia a long time ago. They've sputtered down the stretch here or whatever. I have a Duke ticket. um, So fortunately, was able to get like that one at a longer number than they're available now. Um, But, you know, again, it's not, necessarily anything i mean i got lucky with the duke because they i think they're in the easiest i think they're in the easiest quadrant but like you know i agree um but I'm going texas i got texas from the preseason with eli so we'll see we'll see how that goes yeah, i thought we so thought we were dead in the water when chris beard got fired but they look pretty good so we'll see <laughs> but what we can do is look at these award markets over in the nba again we're heading down we're heading down the the, the stretch here and regular season mvp has tightened up a little bit. Nikola Jokic is sitting at minus 200. Uh, Joel Embiid plus 240. Giannis is sitting at 6-1. to one, And then everyone else 41. It's, it's between those three, so we don't really need to go much deeper than that. Now, listen, you talk to any NBA guy on the face of the planet, Stephen, they're going to tell you that Jokic should win it. Jokic should win it again. There shouldn't be any of this even talk of, you know, voter fatigue or any of that stuff. You give it to the best player regardless, no matter what. Well, history has shown us that's necessarily not the case because we could have, you know, there was an eight-year stretch. We could have just given it to LeBron every year for eight years, and, like, we didn't do that. And and so, um, Jokic minus 200, Joel Embiid plus 240, Giannis sitting at 6-1. to one. I'm not convinced that this is a done deal for Jokic, even though, you know, again, the the statistics and the results and everything else might back that up. Yeah, I'm on the fence here because I think if the Nuggets, they've they sputtered a little bit last couple of weeks here, but yeah. if they finish as the one seed in the West and Jokic is averaging an insane triple-double for the season, I'm not sure how you don't give it to him, even right. though it would be kind of a an historic third straight for him. And they have a four-and-a-half game lead in the West right now, so they're, they're probably going to be the one seed. Meanwhile, you know, I, I, Joel Embiid's putting up monster numbers. He he hits a shot near the buzzer against the wizards. Good for him. Like there's still the three seed in the East. He's amazing. It should be one or the other. It should be Jokic or Embiid. And I think Embiid deserves an MVP at some point, but he's just running up against this unbelievable force. That is Jokic. So at this point with the odds shortening a little bit, I wonder if Jokic is a little bit of value here. We're seeing some crazy differences in price here for a favorite. 
you can get him at minus 175 where he's still being listed at like minus 250 at a couple of books. So right. that could be that could be value on a favorite. And the other thing I'll just mention here too is we did a look cross-referencing the NBA midseason media survey that Mark Medina put out uh, with the current odds at the time. And at the midseason, Jokic was not the one in that survey that got the most votes. It was Doncic at the time. So that, that mm -hmm. showed you that there was at least at that juncture a little bit of voter fatigue on Jokic, who was putting up some big numbers. Obviously, Doncic is faded, but Jokic had 40% of the votes at that point. Doncic said 43%. So if all of those non-Jokic voters do flock to Embiid, then yeah, there's a path here, but it's a total guessing game at this point right? to see what that is. And the NBA.com ladder that's been put out every week for the MVP has been Jokic for months. So I think it would take a lot at this point to sway the majority of voters over to Embiid. Yeah, and you just uh, brought up something. So I have an 11-to-1 Joel Embiid ticket, and so I did come in on Jokic. There was a 180 available here, not as good as the 175 that you just referenced. There was a minus 180 on Jokic available. I thought at that point it had probably a little bit of too much like recency bias here because there's just been a little bit of a blip for the, for the Nuggets, but... Um, yeah, I, I did come in. I made it to where I can't lose money. Basically, I'm going to make a little bit. Of, I'll, I'll either make a lot of money or I'll make a steak dinner essentially in this. Now, that's not to say that Giannis is ruled out. I mean, if the Bucks just finish the season on a absolute friggin heater and the Nuggets and the Sixers do happen to struggle down the stretch, I, it's not the craziest thing in the whole world to say that, that Giannis could kind of come from behind here. But I do think the odds are about right that he would have to make a pretty big comeback to win this thing. Yeah, I agree. The other, you know, kind of favorite that I'll touch on here that I still think, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand that. But Larry Markinen for most improved player now is in a situation where the second and third choices, Shea Gilgis Alexander is, is not playing every game the rest of the season. And Jalen Brunson re-aggravated a foot injury. So what competition is actually left for Larry Markinen, who at the midseason survey was already the guy getting the most votes for most improved player and has only done more to improve his resume yeah. for this award. And I bring it up because yes, there are some books where he's listed at minus 600, even minus 835 at what I'm seeing at one book, mm. but there's one off market price at Caesars where he's minus 303. So yep. if you are more of a small, it's not better, a long-term commitment. Like we're almost done with the I mean, yeah. So bet a bet, you know, if you want to bet $303 to win 100, I don't see how somebody other than marketing wins this award. You tell me right. if you disagree. No, because there's so few games left that even if he got hurt tomorrow, yeah, like there, there's not enough games left in the season. I think for, for his lead to, to go away, you know? So yeah, I'm, just, I'm with you. I'm with uh, you on that one for sure. And I think that's the only, I mean, listen, there are, there's Again, other toss-ups, right? That are, talking to some guys that are much smarter than than I am, as far as like sixth man, they think that like Brogdon should be way more favored than he is over quickly. Like they're you know saying that the kind of the one forty ish, one forty five ish, whatever that you can see on Brogdon out there uh, should be much bigger than that. I mean, listen, I'll admit, I don't pay enough attention to to that market really to kind well, of know. I'll, I'll, if tell you, I'll give you a little insight here, Matt. It's, it's weird because quickly was not very good off the bench and then Brunson got hurt and he's compiling all of these stats as a starter. So as yeah. a starter with all these numbers, is that actually going to help his case as six man of the year? It's a very weird situation right. because frankly, all these resumes aren't very good for six man and it's basically Brogdon by default. So, but right. even the last couple of games where quickly has been the starter, he hasn't put up a big numbers. So, I agree with your friends who are kind of more locked in than both of us on this, that it feels like Brogdon by default at this point and maybe wanting to get somebody on the Celtics, some type of award for the amazing season they've had. It's not very often that we get to end the uh, podcast with some breaking news here, Stephen, but uh, hey. Adam Schefter coming through the New York football giants are trading for Darren Waller. So Darren Waller heading to the New York football giants, which listen, I don't hate the giants trying to go all in a little bit this year because if you take a look 
We know that the Redskins are not going to be very good if Sam Howell is going to be the quarterback. That's just not going to happen. Sorry. And then you take a look at the Cowboys, which again, every year is supposed to be the Cowboys year. They can't seem to get over the hump every single year that it's the Cowboys year. I don't mind the Giants really making some sort of move here with all of this. You made the commitment to the quarterback. You franchised Barkley. So you're kind of saying, hey, we think we can make a run here. Um, Darren Waller certainly upgrades that offense a ton because Daniel Jones needed someone to throw to very, very, very badly. And Waller is a instant impact dude from day one for them. Again, we haven't, we've had 12 seconds to digest this, but uh, off the, off the top of my head, I'm like, that's a home run for the giants. Yeah. I think it's wasn't all that expensive third round pick. I don't think Waller was as hurt as we think last year because he wanted, you know, a new contract. Yep. Um, so I, I think it's a great pickup for them and combine that with the fact that, the Eagles are going to lose a ton of talent. On yes, defense. and they already have. They already have. They've like already lost. Like, yeah, they've already lost like six guys already. Like, like. So I think that division's a little more open than people picks think. or whatever. It's gonna be like it's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, they're gonna to have to draft a lot of defense this year and hope they <laughs> hope the picks pan out because they're they they have salary cap issues there on defense. So. I think uh, the NFC is wide open, and that starts at the very top with the Eagles, I think, being a little softer favorite than than the roster that they ended the season with. I agree 100%. Again, we'll we'll talk more about this next week after we've had a little bit of time to, to process it. And, of course, we'll run through all of the big free agent pickups and how things, of course, we don't know as of recording of this. So if this happens by the time you listen – Nothing has happened in the Aaron Rodgers saga, so that's why we're not talking about it. Like maybe it happens as soon as we hit, you know, end of this recording. But as of recording, nothing's happened he's, there. So he's we'll, getting ocean. They're in the process of getting Ocean's Eleven back together, uh, going yeah, from Green yeah. Bay to so New York. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll figure you know we'll figure that out. Hopefully by the time we record next week, as to what's going on with that as well. But again, if you want your March Madness stuff, can't emphasize head over lines.com head to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything as well. Give us a little thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section. We'll make sure that Eli and company go through and, and answer as many questions as they possibly can. And of course, you can do that in the Discord as well. So be a member over there. We're going to be talking hoops. We're going to be talking golf. We're going to be talking NFL free agency. We're going to be talking all that over the course of the next couple of weeks. So be sure and be a part of that conversation with us. If you want to follow Steven Andrus uh, on the Twitter, it's at Steven Andrus one You want to follow me at Matt Brown M 2 And guys, good luck on your March Madness and everything in between.